0: Can you believe it? On the Flawed and Favored podcast this week, we have Dr. Paul Smith, the pastor of First Alliance Church in Lexington, Kentucky. He's with us to remind us that the kingdom of God is beautiful and diverse. No matter the culture or background, as we pray in community, it makes it much harder to hold grudges with those that we are praying alongside. And as always with Paul Smith, there is wisdom and humor throughout the whole conversation. Tune in right now.
1: Welcome to the Flawed and Favored Podcast. Join our favorite Journey team and guests as we share stories, insights, and wisdom on how to work through and find hope in the challenging moments of everyday life. Welcome to the Flawed and Favored Podcast. This is Angie and Farron here,
0: and we have Paul Smith, Dr. Paul Smith, Reverend (laughs) Pastor, everything. Paul Smith, the pastor of First Alliance Church of Lexington, Kentucky. And we're excited to have you here today, Paul. I'm
2: excited to be here. Um,
0: Paul was the pastor of the church that Farron and I attended in Lewiston, Idaho uh, for many years and has uh, recently moved to Kentucky, to Lexington, Kentucky. So uh, we just thought uh, kicking off this series, Paul would be a great one to just help lay the floor, lay the base work for it and, and help us think through some things. And also. So he's just a fun guy to talk to and a fun guy to encourage us on a regular basis. So, and also we'll have in the show notes, he has um, so many of his sermons on their first Alliance Church of Lexington, Kentucky, and their sermon podcasts. So all their sermons are on a podcast that you can listen to. And so go ahead, Farron, We want to take off with our
1: first few questions? Well, the first one was we, we know Paul and we've had the privilege of knowing Paul, but yeah. just tell um everybody a little bit about yourself.
2: Yeah. Um, I grew up. In Ohio, you know, kind of mid Midwest, and you know, grew up in a very small Baptist church. So, if you just kind of imagine about eighty-five people on a Sunday, dad did the singing, and the hymns were up on the the numbers were up there. So, one microphone, and so that's kind of the context. Since I know this is kind of faith and life and culture, yeah. that's my culture that I grew up in, uh, farming community. The GM plant closed down. And so it was kind of, it was the, it would be the inspiration for the majority of Bruce Brain sing songs during that <laughs> era. So, um, 19, so take that switch. And then at 19, feel a call to ministry and go to school in, uh, Georgia. So that's the first significant cultural change from the Rust Belt to somewhat of the South, Where are the kind of the white pillared churches, the first, second, third, all the way to the 17th Baptist Church on every every corner. (laughs) And that, so that's a significant change, a significant, um, not so much theological change, but cultural change and not knowing it then, but how much culture does affect our theological thought and our theological lives and how we live. Uh, from there, Sight Unseen went to uh, Anchorage, Alaska. Um, that was, once again, now a very different culture. This is my first exposure to, um, surprisingly, uh, this would be the Alli- the Aleut Alli- um, culture So Farron, you may may know that. And then also the Asian culture was part of, and then, then you have, again, Anchorage, you have Texas because of the oil. So you have, so I had Texas businessmen, With their Baptist culture, and then I had kind of the Asian, the church I was pastoring at the time, kind of the Asian and the Aleut. So it was this blending of multiple cultures that were coming into the church and pastoring an Alliance Church. That's our, you'll have that a lot. You'll have this blending, this big umbrella of backgrounds of people coming under the umbrella of the mission of all of Jesus for all of the world. And so that is a tremendous experience, but has its own challenges of bringing them together and unifying them around the common calls. Thank you. Thankfully, Jesus can do that. From there down to Seattle, that's where I met my wife, Heather. And then um, her dad said, no job, no wedding. Lewiston was the only <laughs> church hiring. So I was like, I love Idaho. So, um, And we were there, we were there 19 years. And then once again, another culture, more of a cowboy, inland Northwest culture. I came there with khakis and penny loafers that, that we need to adjust here a little bit. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, and we you know, that that once again another unique cultural experience, mm-hmm. you know, um, right next to the Nez Nez Perce area of Idaho, and then also right next to Washington, and so so I think that's you know, looking back, I never would have scripted my life that way of having so many different cultures kind of intersect with faith and what that brings to the conversation. But and now, and you know, two and a half years in Lexington, it's not north north. And it's not Mm -hmm. Mm South-South. In fact, many of the roads in Louisville were uh, during the Civil War and similar in Lexington were on either side. So you had Union and Confederate. And that's part of the conversation here. That wasn't part of Mm -hmm. Idaho. Now that's part of the conversation that I'm now pastoring in. So um, once again, so I've got to put my missionary glasses on. I've got to learn the culture because ministry and life is so uh, contextual that, mm-hmm. and I, that we think everybody sees it the way we do. Right. We don't, mm-hmm. I mean, they don't. And so um, learning to understand. So that's a little bit about me.
0: Mm-hmm. How do you think that fits in Paul, even like as kids go on mission or as, you know, kids do youth group stuff. That's a lot of things I've heard about any, you know, missionaries that stay in another country long-term is that importance of understanding a culture when you go into a culture or recognizing that and not being disrespectful of that culture. Um, How do you think that, you know, we can help people be better equipped to understand their, the cultures that they're going into? What would be some of the ground rules for that?
2: Yeah, I think ground rules. I don't know. I Mm -hmm. do think that that one day you wake up when you it's part of, think the maturing process and realize, Oh, there's a, there's a different way that people see the world Um, that can either happen through a journey like my own where you do step out and you do. And I think that makes us richer people. You do step out, you do travel. Each person has their own capacity and capability with this, but some exposure to different cultures is very good for just simply maturing, for just simply just um, being self-aware. It makes us richer as people. Now, um, I think there's great access today with technology. It's not the same as experiencing the sights, the sounds, the smells, sitting around a din- dinner table and having with other cultures. But you, you, we can learn how the world's. Different. I mean, I'm on Zoom calls with uh, missionaries from in Georgia and Bosnia, and I'm learning like, wow, they're their experience. When I feel bad about my my COVID experience, oh my word! (laughs) Mm -hmm. um, They haven't seen the sunlight for three weeks. Some of them, so that puts things in perspective. And and remember, the cultures are God's gifts to us, and everything God and He didn't He could have made us all the same, but He chose to make He chose to make us different. And and the more we can receive this gift and experience this gift, the better. The you know I think we had did a highlighter. He's been. Oh, my dog's been eating a highlighter. And once again, as you can tell, the wife's not home. So (laughs) but enough said enough said on that. Hopefully, hopefully we're not buying new furniture. (laughs) It's okay. So all right. That's all I am so. We'll answers.
1: So we are curious about what, what's life been like this past year, pastoring a church through the pandemic?
2: A yeah, good question. Um, I think if you ask any pastor, and I we've I've had this question a couple of times and, and I've asked this question and it's the hardest thing I've ever done. You know, it really is. I think it's the first time in striking a balance is not a win. Normally you have diverse and divergent opinions on subjects and you can find a common middle ground to lead people forward. But I think if you take the combination of high fear you know not just fear and we all have a degree of fear but now there's something that's threatening life that just amplified everything and so everything from and it all hit at the same time mm-hmm. uh you know we i had uh, pretty spirited conversations regarding the government's role in church you know mm-hmm. it was many churches got shut down or refused to shut down mask no mask you know social distancing and uh you had that and then we hit got the hit the race the race issues at that time. And then you got the elections. I never like election years, but if you take all those things and then one time it was just like, I don't think anybody was just knocked it out of the park. It really was the first time it was kind of like just survive. 25% of the churches, Barna says won't. Mm -hmm. And so they just won't. And so if you were in a very difficult, if you were in a thin financial place, or if you were carrying a lot of debt, or you didn't make the adjustment. So the, I think there will be a, a significant pruning of the American church. So I'm going to s- choose to stay positive for the sake of more fruit. I think we're going to lose the mushy middle that was that was there. Virtual, I think, is, is here to stay in yeah. some degree, mm-hmm. yet we need relationships more so than ever. I think we saw that the gathering of the church can stop in a moment, and we need to be able to, yeah. not a plan B, but a like a second option that is continuing to lead people to discipleship.
1: What
0: are the inside things of like the virtual piece?
2: Um, You have to take it seriously. You have to, now there's a whole, like before you had just a Sunday to think out and those people, and now you've got that. And then you've also have like, when we were doing virtual, you had to preach on Thursday. Mm -hmm. And so because of what was needed, you had to be preaching on Thursday for some reason because because uh, oh we couldn't all come into the building at the same time only a certain amount of so um, and then how do we a lot of the conversation is how do we make the virtual experience not one where we just get by but where we're actually authentically helping people grow in their faith mm-hmm. to where we're equipping them to you know to. Keep growing in christ likeness. I think it's started a lot of really great conversations. I think the future of the big, massive building is up for grabs. I mean, we've we've spent millions to reach thousands. With you can spend thousands on technology to possibly reach millions. So pastors who used to love to preach to the big room—that's not happening. So uh, I've surprisingly, I had a conversation with the pastor. He said he's seriously considering uh, selling his facility that seats thirty five hundred and. Rather than one building, he's getting 12 smaller buildings that seat 350. So, I mean, that's a massive shift, yeah. a massive Jeez. shift, he says, because intimacy and options, you know, people want, I mean, think about it. You're listening to Wait. my, I mean, that didn't happen <laughs> 10 years ago, maybe, right. maybe for just a few for the Charles Stanley's, but now yeah. every, that's for everybody. Yeah. Um. But it's the hardest, but it's, but I do think that it has also propelled needed changes for the church, changes that were processed possibly slow in bringing about some changes now got accelerated because we can't just keep doing what We've what well, we've been doing. We can't take it for granted. Um, so that's that's it. Been mm-hmm. hard, but I, I know it'll be good.
1: How how is your family done through this, especially your teens?
2: You know, we got a dog that helped. There's a lot of COVID, do- <laughs> yeah. COVID dogs. And, <laughs> it's like they uh, say, blizzard
0: babies. babies. Everybody has yeah, COVID exactly, dogs.
2: <laughs> exactly, Yeah. So COVID dog, COVID dog. Um, you know, it's been. I think they they're they're resilient. Um, I'm very I'm very glad that uh, I my my hope is that we don't think that this is, you know, we need connection. And maybe they have just the ability to have meaningful connection virtually. I don't have that much capacity. I mean, this is, I've had to grow in my capacity to have meaningful virtual connection. Um, Three is good, but I've had, tried to have meetings when it's 15 people and that's just not, Mm -hmm. we were created for more. I I'm able to overhear what their life is like and I have you know my son is talking talking to his friend in Michigan he's talking to his friend in Idaho um, Elliot's talking to a friend in Georgia talking to her. so they keep up that connection and I just wonder if that younger generation has the ability to have more meaning virtually in a way we never did but the flip side is I hope they don't have aren't are deer in the headlights when they sit around a dinner table and <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> then they can actually flip that switch and yeah. you know succeed in a job interview you know <sighs> it's across the table so uh, <laughs> so but they're but they're doing fine they've there is a sense of initially we had this sense of sadness because things were there they weren't going to football games. Some, some plays that we were hoping yeah. for, for Elliot got canceled. Oh, some yeah. trips got canceled. So where's that? There was that sadness. There was that mourning, but now it's kind of, okay, we've, we're on the other side of it.
0: And those things are huge. Yeah. Just, yeah. yeah. I, I was and you there. do have to have that sadness. And I went through
2: a I went through a time of just deep sadness of the yeah. church. We had plans and we had to scrap them all. And Mm-hmm. You know, we were, we had grown to a very significant number and excitement and, um, and you know, two and a half years at the church and it just, it just stopped. And so you're just mm-hmm. like, wow, that's a bummer. Mm-hmm. And, um, so, and I think they had same, same thing, but it's, it's, it's good. Pro- probably a lot like yours.
1: We just, but. um. Finished a marriage series. And so I'm just curious with everything that's been going on, and we talked about this in our last episode. but how has your wife, who we love and my respect, by the way, oh and miss? Woman. yes, gorgeous um, woman. yes. how I has agree. she how how has she encouraged you through this season? Like, what are the things that she's done to encourage you while you're leading? You know, I think
2: she keeps me from pouting and I get pouty. <laughs> and, that's good. Uh,
1: how she well. do that? <laughs> yeah she
0: just, well, you Sense. know, she has
2: this. She has this one phrase that, in a back, is truthful, and yet in a backhanded, not in a backhanded way. It's not the right way, but in a kind of a sidebar, you know, side angle. Yeah. She goes, you know, no one wants to be you. I'm like, <laughs> oh. they, like no one wants your responsibility. Mm-hmm. No, you've said yes to something, and we're thankful you've said yes to this. And we all know it. We all know it's hard. <laughs> Like, yeah, you're right. You're right. So uh-huh. no one wants to be you because no one wants to say yes to what you've said yes to because you've said uh-huh. yes to something that's very, 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 very hard. And in a roundabout way, it's it's true. Um
0: yeah.
2: you know. Are you uh, writing that
0: down too, Farron? Yeah.
2: Because, <laughs> yeah. you know, um, and I don't know why that maybe that just works for me. That just works right. for me. You know, uh, she's she's listened. She's been a great listener. Uh, but her and I work together. And that's been yeah. that's been a, ben- a benefit. And uh, we have enjoyed cooking meals together. Mm-hmm. So I'm actually normally I just heat things. I'm a good heater of things. <laughs> but this I actually got out the recipes and okay. started. And so she has wow. encouraged me. And I think she set me up for success to where some certain certain things that I, and I like to cook where I knew it would be good. And I right. knew that though, so, because you're, if you're in the house, you can only, yeah. you know, I have to do something. I have to get, I have to get busy and all right. So that's how she's been mm-hmm. encouraging. And so she comes up to me after every Sunday, she's like, good job, um, <sighs> but say this, say that, don't say this, you know, and <laughs> like, okay. She's great. So, you guys are
0: such a good team. Yeah. Such an awesome she's,
2: team. She's amazing. She's yes. absolutely phenomenal. And yeah. um, so I had somebody in the, in the church come up to me and, and say, we like you. Now we love your wife, but uh-huh. we really, <laughs> I'm like, I totally get it. Yes. I totally get it. <laughs> I'm like, I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. But I think she's been, you know, the best thing you can do for a spouse is keep yourself growing Right. You know, keep your because your growth overflows into to them. Um, and so we're we're committed to, to do that. So
0: love it. Well, how about um on just the segregation? It's it was kind of surprising to me to hear that Sunday mornings are the most segregated time mm-hmm. of the week. And I've heard that numerous times. And why and what do you feel American churches what can we do to grow in unity?
2: You know, one of the things is I look that when I saw that question is to acknowledge we, each individual is going to feel the most comfortable in, in their own culture. Right. And when looking for a household of faith, we're subconsciously gonna, you know, like finds like and people Mm -hmm. that subconsciously are going to express or have a faith expression similar to mine, or, or one that's, you know, people that I am, you want to go to a place that I, I feel understood. That's where we start. And now the key is we can't stay there. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, when I was in Georgia, I had tremendous it for a while, I was going to me and about four of my friends would go to an an all black church. I, I was I that was by the 4 months of my life that was just tremendous. And then in mm-hmm. Alaska I got exposed to the, you know, to the Aleut culture and that was just just awesome. You know, I think one of the things is it's realizing that if we can experience the faith expression of a different culture, we're better for it. Mm-hmm. We're, we're, better, we're better people for it. I think that another key is what our theology has to say centered on Christ. I mean, once you look at Christ, I mean, the people that he gathered around him, you know, Matthew had sold out to the Romans, Simon, the zealot, you know, he was the zealot because he was to overthrow the Romans. You have two massively political difference there, um, personality differences you had. I mean, they were all held together around the person of Jesus. So I think mean, going forward, just keeping it very Christo, Christocentric and allowing for the expressions of that and the worship of Jesus to be allowed and celebrated and appreciated. So now let's get more specific. More specific would be it is really hard to hold a grudge and to not relationally connect with people who I'm I'm praying with. I've I have seen praying with people in groups accelerate relational connection faster mm-hmm. than anything. This is kind of my my heartbeat. It's, it's really hard to hold on to a, a prejudice when I'm praying next to somebody. It had praying with somebody melts the heart and shapes the heart in a way that I think a sermon never can, or even experiences don't. So I think one of the things that you will see going forward especially is not a lessening of worship. We we have just the 80s and the 90s, we just saw this great, great worship. But I think you will see a more of a bringing to the forefront of corporate prayer on Sunday morning. Smaller gatherings will allow that, but corporate prayer and people being um, ready and expecting to pray. On Sunday morning, somehow pastors will bring that part of their experience once COVID is done, and will re. I think it will give birth to okay. We need to be a praying people, and whatever the movement looks like of greater unity yeah. in the churches, I hope it's birthed out of prayer. And because if it's birthed out of prayer, and normally God's in it, uh, and so those are just ju- those are just a few of the things um, I am seeing a resurgence in prayer and. In a lot of the younger generations, I look at Elliot's generation and on Sunday morning, they pray. I mean, they pray and they they're freed Mm -hmm. up to pray in a way that I've 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 never seen. So um,
0: that might answer kind of this question I'm thinking of. What are you most excited about seeing in this next generation?
2: You know, one of the things is I think things that that we wrestled with, and this will go back to the to the to the segregation question. And, and also and so when I grew up, I grew up in a culture where if there was a, a mixed a mixed couple, a white and a black married, it was that was scandalous. And I'm just gonna put it right out there. It's not, <laughs> yeah. it's not anymore. Right. I mean, i it's it's just not. And I think I'm like, that's a good thing. I'm glad we've progressed that way. And mm-hmm. that's, and that was good. So I get, I, that's, so I think there are things that we even, and I'm 48, so I'm still pretty young that, that we had, that they are not going to have. So I think they're going to have a richer relational experience. Do we have ways to go? Yes, we do let's let's acknowledge that but when i look there we've made progress on there's some there's some things that that are good that i see secondly i think there is going to be a deeper hunger for experiencing god prayer mm-hmm. pursuing god discontentment of not just listening and knowing about but i want to experience this there and that's and that's a good thing they'll they'll break through and to to where it's a genuine experience i think you're going to like most cultures they won't pers- they won't be pursuing the cumulative of stuff as much. I just, I don't know if that's on their radar is accumulation of really great experiences. If we communicate mm-hmm. that God can be experienced, you know, they'll, they'll have that. The downside is they are bombarded with so much information to where, what do, will they have the theological and the biblical truth to navigate those experiences correctly? Because they're getting infiltrated with so many voices. So that's what I think the challenge will be good, solid theology and confident. Yeah. Like I know what I know, what I inhabit and believe in it, not be arrogant which I think is going to be a premium. And so the benefit is they're going to really want to pursue and experience God for the sake of the world. I think they're, they're exposed to, they're not content with the things that can be changed that aren't congruent with the heart of God.
0: So what would be any other things that you think would be good to add on this conversation or you thought you think is helpful for people to know or think about?
2: Yeah. I think one of the things is you mentioned the the younger generation. Absolutely. But I'm an Xer and I'm kind of uh, the millennials up and coming and then the boomers, you know, and I, I, one of the is how do, how do boomers still invest mm-hmm. because they yeah. can, and uh, their struggle is for the longest time we grew up being told, you know, everything we're doing is good. And now mm-hmm. we're told everything we did was wrong. So, and now, now we got told that we were positive. And so they are really having an identity crisis, like their mm-hmm. world flipped, shifted. And I've had several conversations, like, did everything we do was bad? yeah we didn't do everything perfect but was right. it all bad does it all need to be thrown out and i i've landed like this to where you know okay take conservative and progressive um i want to conserve some things that want need to be conserved i want to preserve them and then mm-hmm. i want i don't know one boomer white boomer who does not want to progress i don't know one they mm-hmm. know culture has to progress but th- but who gets to t- determine what that proper progression is and mm-hmm. i think that's really what their their struggle is they know the world needs to change and they want it to change who's the voice that determines what that is and um and so that's where i've kind of i've i've landed is okay let's conserve what god in god's eyes we look and yeah that matches god's heart and let's progress towards culture and church and world that matches god's heart so i think we land and it's either or but that going back to the boomer that they're not all about conserving they're not they've not dug in but they are about like who gets to determine and let's what progress is and in going forward everything from the church to government to into individual lives and so they are some of my best times here at at Lexington has been when generations sit around the table and they they talk about issues together and millennials are listening and boomers are listening and Xers are listening. Mm-hmm. So we're like, oh, because we started this conversation about different cultures. And I would say you don't have to go across the world to experience a different culture. You probably just could experience a very different, different yeah, culture is a sure. different lens. I mean, a 65, a 75 year old has a very different lens than a 25 year old. Now the key of that is you're heart either of them if the if the older gets hard and the younger is arrogant it doesn't work well which one we we need both we need the optimism of a 25 year old we need the wisdom and the experience of the 75 year old for the church going going Mm -hmm. forward so um, i think it's ethnicities and it's also generations i think god takes all of that and uses it going forward so i would not underestimate the the wealth and the heart because i'm studying the life of moses he's 80 when he gets brought out of retirement first question to god is who am i and i think we all we all wrestle with it who am i who's so on his tip of his tongue because i think he really wrestles with that and the answer from god is who you are is everything revolves around me you know there's really no answer about your identity apart from me um it's got to be early there was it nine o'clock
0: yes <laughs> it, it is okay. nine o'clock another
2: <laughs> random another random <laughs> classic remember when I was preaching I'd be like bird oh look like
0: that. <laughs> that's what makes <laughs> it you, so w- fun w-
2: when did you people get here oh <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, that's what makes it so fun so what is your favorite thing right now
2: I love watching my my uh kids grow up I mean they're becoming both of them are becoming young adults and seeing seeing that. Uh, Happen. Um, I'm getting extended time with my wife. That's a a lot of fun. I think one of the things I'm enjoying to do, my son is he's on the golf team. And uh, so we'll jump in the cart together and he'll drive the cart. But I am teaching my daughter how to drive. She has her permit. We've had some experiences, you know. (laughs) Right is go, left is stop. We use one (laughs) foot at a time. (laughs) We stay off (laughs) sidewalks at all times. (laughs) Those are not an option ever so uh but no she's but driving in lexington is different than than uh driving and yeah. now that may shock you but it's, uh, <laughs> it's a <definitely>, bigger <laughs> area
0: it's a uh-huh. bigger
2: area faster yes. but she's uh-huh. she's done she's done very very well and all mm-hmm. that you know contribute all that to their mother's influence oh like, yeah. how well they're doing
0: well thank you so much nice. paul for being on and sharing your wisdom with oh, us and
2: no problem
0: uh, just to see you again is always yeah, fun.
2: It's been great. Thank you. So I hope this was encouraging and keep up the good work. We're rooting for you and big fan. So, uh, you know, thank and you. so once you guys reach a million subscribers and we celebrate, <laughs> yes. I'll say, I remember when
0: that's all for our show today, but thank you for joining us. Please don't forget to click
1: subscribe and follow the flawed and favored podcast. And if you can give us a positive review and share us with your friends, we would love to get the word out to others. We hope you go out today knowing you may be flawed, but you are still favored.
0: We are also so thankful
1: to our podcast partners who help us bring these messages to you. And if you want information about becoming a partner and sharing your products and services with our listeners, email us at info at